0: Hello and welcome to another TGS podcast. Today, we've got Alan on. Alan is the Firearms Licensing Liaison Officer for the NGO, the National Gamekeepers Organisation. He is the point of contact between end-user and firearms licensing departments. As such, he has a broad knowledge of all current and past firearms licensing issues, and he's going to share some of that with us today. So we're joined here today by Tim Weston and John Clark of the NGO, and now with Alan Barrel, the NGO's firearms advisor, I believe. Yeah, Firearms Licensing Liaison
1: Officer. So, I sort of, I'm the first port of call for anyone within the NGO who's got problems with firearms and firearms licensing.
0: I presume at the moment you've been quite busy with questions?
1: Yeah, Um, we've been busy with questions uh, based on problems with firearms licensing uh, surrounding um, the involvement of doctors with licensing. But then the police firearms licensing departments um, have said that during the COVID 19 uh, pandemic, They will not take new applicants um, unless they're from professional bodies. Um, However, they will try and keep abreast of all renewals. Um, But even that is causing some problems. Is that legal? Probably not, because the Firearms Act says that shall grant a certificate, um, but... We're in very unusual circumstances, so I don't think that um, uh, in the short term, certainly, anyone's going to challenge that.
0: And I presume you're seeing a different approach from county to county as well?
1: Uh, yes, to some extent. Yeah, to some extent. I, I think most forces have said that uh, they, they won't deal, at the moment, they won't deal with uh, initial grants. Um, they will only deal with renewals. Um, and uh, they are asking us also to keep um, other work to a minimum. So transfers um, etc, they want kept to a minimum.
0: I presume that is put in place for RFDs as well as for personal transactions as well across the board. Yes it is and and, and in fact
1: most RFDs are on shutdown as
0: are retailers anyway. Uh, So let's talk about more regular times, what is going on with the whole doctor's letters scenario? Well, we're in a situation
1: at the moment where we've got um, 20 police forces who have decided that they will not um, undertake either a grant or a renewal of a certificate unless uh, uh, the person's GP or at least a doctor has had some involvement with the process and has um, looked at the person's medical records. And and decided that that perhaps they that they don't pose a pose a threat. Certainly, that that those twenty those twenty police forces of the forty three um, are, are, are not entertaining any um, applications of any sort, and unless there is also some uh, involvement from a member of the medical profession,
0: did they not always
1: refer to your doctor, or is that just no? They, no, they didn't. No, the, the there was a new procedure a- adopted in May, 2016, which had the support of the Home Office um, and is outlined in the um, guidance to police officers issued by, two chief police officers issued by the, by the Home Office. Sorry. Basically, yeah, no, it's fine. Basically, um, what that said was that the, um, the police would write to your GP They would ask your GP um, if the GP had any concerns about your uh, possessing a certificate, uh, possessing a firearm, um, and ask your GP as well to put a marker on your medical record so that if you went into uh, your doctor's surgery at any time during the currency of the certificate that the police would then grant, um, and you presented with any uh, sort of problem with which might affect your fitness to hold a firearm, the GP would have the option of informing the police that perhaps you you weren't suitable. There there was nothing, there's nothing in legislation, there's nothing that requires the doctor to
0: do that. Are we against that, or are you uh, against this this asking for letters, this referencing to doctors? I, I personally don't think it's a bad idea that doctors are aware of your firearms. License purely based on the fact that I haven't, you do suffer from severe depression it's not a bad idea that you yep, get- yep. I, I, haven't,
1: I haven't got an issue with a doctor knowing that I'm a certificate holder and I haven't got a, any uh, real issue with the uh, with the police asking the doctor to comment one of the problems is however that um, in, initially in 2016 when this was set up there there was supposed to be no fee involved. Um, What then happened was the doctors looked at it and of course the work falls outside their normal um, National Health Service um, employment and is additional work. Um, They therefore therefore said, we're gonna charge for this. And some doctors charge at 30 pounds. And the worst I've heard of is a doctor that tried to charge at 210. So the whole thing isn't fair, it's a postcode lottery. Um, when challenged, the doctor that was charging 210 said, "Well, if it was a solicitor's letter, a solicitor could charge what he liked. Some solicitors would charge you 210, and therefore that's what I'm charging you." Um, the light on the there is a little bit of light on the horizon in that there are a couple of companies that have actually set up to do this work for you. Um, we actually recommend a company called MedCert, MedCert.co.uk and and they will do the whole job for £50. At least that is fair. At least we know where we stand.
0: That's
1: a, a fair fixed price. A fair fixed price. I mean, ideally, uh, um, why shouldn't it become part of the firearms fee um, and a fixed price be paid by the police to the doctor for the doctor to complete the letter? That's
0: fair um, uh, to me, it, and... You're thinking of about a £50 yeah. pound is a fair sort of... Told pounds, this, certificates,
1: certificates are currently granted for uh, 10 years. Uh, what, would an what would an additional £50 pounds be? It would be £10, pound, 10 pounds a year. Um, and if some doctors can do it for £30 pounds and other doctors want to charge £100, 120 uh, somebody talked to me this morning, his doctor wants to charge him £160. Um, the exception was the 210 um where does the average come out somewhere around 50 quid
0: there are doctors out there that are doing it for free though as well which is nice
1: there are some there are some doctors out there that are doing it for free which is nice um, yes yes certainly and,
0: and, I, and that, that's and that's great right where they're prepared to but i don't i i can see that why they should not do it for free as well because it is an extra workload on them that we are asking them oh,
1: yes, of course it is of course it is they've got to access your medical record uh, they've got to go through it and, and if, like me and and some others are here, um, you, you're getting on in years a bit. Your medical record will be quite long. Uh, the doctor may not know you. We'll need to go through that, look at the form, decide whether there's anything relevant, complete the form, complete the um, uh, complete the entry on your on your medical record, so that um, he and his he or she and their their colleagues are aware. Should you come in at, at some stage in the future. that you're a a firearms holder Um, so there is work involved and it's only fair that they should get paid for it Um, our argument would be that they should be paid uh, that the charge should be equitable it should be fair to everybody and it should be a reasonable charge
0: I I think the idea of putting it through the police is is wise Uh, John Tim have you any thoughts on this or what are your personal experiences with it? well
2: i'm I'm quite lucky my doctor doesn't charge, <clears throat> so I'm in mean, you know i've I've recently gone through a renewal. I'm also quite lucky in my force area, and I'm in Wiltshire they're they're a a very um streamlined force. they process things quickly, and Johnny, I know with the gun shop and things, you'll probably see the very difference between the county I'm in and the one your shop's in, which touch each other. I can get a same day variation. As a for instance, if I come to your gun shop and I want to buy a 306, I don't have the, I don't think I can phone up devices and they can do that on the same day in a normal world. Um, likewise with the doctor's certificates, my police force stick to the Home Office guidelines and they do not waver from the Home Office guidelines, which is 21 days from application if the doctor hasn't got back to you, 21 working days if the doctor hasn't got back to you, the police should proceed with the application many other police forces have decided to go against that and, and create their own rules. Um, and I think that's one of the frustrations Alan comes up with a lot with our members, isn't it, Alan?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, a lot of the members feel quite frustrated about that. A lot, a lot of members feel that they're being treated unfairly because they're being treated differently. I, I too am very lucky. I'm, in, I'm um, up near Ludlow, I'm in the West Mercia police area. Um, and West Mercia, again, are one of those forces that are sticking to the Home Office guidance. Um, so we're very lucky. I have a good working re- relationship with them um, and um, don't, don't, have, don't have any, any real, real problem. But I get phone calls on a daily basis from people who aren't as fortunate as Tim and myself, um, who,
0: who
2: do get problems.
0: Are there any county hotspots? <laughs> Thames
2: Valley. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i haven't got
1: the list i haven't got the list in front of me now um but i have got i have got or i could send you a list of the 20 police forces that are actually working outside uh, or without the um, home office uh, guidance um, if everybody worked within the home office guidance we would we would at least know where we stand Um, But they say, "Ah, well, it's only guidance, uh, and uh, our chief officer has to be satisfied that a person can be uh, permitted to possess a a firearm without danger to the public or to the peace." How do we apply that test unless we've got this 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 information before us? Um, And then, just to mention Thames Valley, I think that the firearms licensing manager there has actually said that uh, since she's been operating this um, system, she thinks that she has possibly saved five lives but if she ever comes to that conclusion i'm I'm not
0: sure possibly saved five lives her Uh, presumption that people would use the guns on themselves or on other people possibly possibly i think i think she's talking about uh
1: people actually using the guns on themselves okay um which I don't know. I don't know how you can how you can come to come to that conclusion. Certainly, some police forces are finding that uh, very few people are not complying with the with the law when they complete their um, firearms application, um, and they're making false declarations. Uh, well, if, if the police can discover that through talking to the, talking to the applicant, they have got ample ample means of of dealing with that anyway, haven't they?
0: I would say so, I would say so, although i here's here's a, a a slight aside. do you think that firearms licensing fees are fair, and that goes to all three of you
3: i think if I think it was ac- if it was across the board nationally then then yeah, i mean as it is the the fees themselves I think that's reasonable i think the if if the, an extra fifty pounds was put on top, yeah, I still think people would pay it and it's it's a reasonable ask. Uh, any more than that, and I think it's getting beyond really and possibly dis- dis- disproportionate to what we're what we're asking, and also it won't be fair for people who are, who are you know short of money and not being able to you know afford to go out shooting, which is their only hobby, because the licensing fee is is too too expensive for them. Um, so. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think if, as long as it doesn't come up more than £50, pound, I think that's, that's fine. Yep.
2: I've, got, I've got really mixed views on it. And as an organisation, it's not something we've looked into massively because unless they start to do it. But I pay for the police already in my council tax. Yeah. I don't want to have to pay for a firearms licence. So the reason I pay for it is because the police make me do it. Now, I also don't want the police to catch me speeding but I don't have to pay for them to try and catch me. So why do I have to pay for them to have a firearms license? You know, to me, it seems seems absolutely ludicrous. that I've got got no objection to being licensed and having checks and measures. But I think the fact that the police say, well, it doesn't cover the costs of you having a license. Well, sure as hell, setting a speed trap isn't profit making, is it? so and if it is they need to revisit it so they've got to decide what they want is the police's job the police for public safety in which case i'm already paying for it through my council tax or are they using firearms licensing to generate an income to run a department they can't run efficiently enough now that's a really sort of proper shooter's view on it isn't it i don't want to have to do it equally with the doctor's fee which i don't get charged i don't mind having to pay that because if i wanted to be a, a long distance lorry driver a bus driver or a diver i would have to pay for my own medical certifications but that i don't have a massive issue with i don't like having to pay the police for my firearm certificate because i think i already am so as a firearms yeah. user i'm paying in my council tax funds i'm paying in all my bloody speeding fines again. Um, I'm paying. I'm paying again in my parking fines, and then I'm paying again from a firearms certificate. So you know we're getting paid now. Alan will probably have a different view as a next police officer. I'm, I'm, I haven't. got a very
1: different view actually. I, am, I, I actually. I'm actually aware that the fee we pay for our firearms licensing probably doesn't meet um, the, the cost to the police of the licensing regime um it probably actually takes more work than we actually pay for it and i think that um since the act was first brought in 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 1968 which which required firearms licensing in the way that that we do it now um there's been a a recognition by the police and the home office that that part of that uh part of their function is um Looking after the public and protecting the public, and that the licensing fee doesn't meet the the, the 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 total amount that it costs that it costs the police. So I think that there's a bit of a balance there between uh, uh, Tim's um, uh, desire for no fee and, and and the actual fee we pay. Personally, I am got an issue with paying a reasonable fee, um, but the fee becomes unreasonable when you add on to it um, the medical uh, fee. Uh, up to up to 200 pounds, whatever the doctor wants to charge. Um, and going back to Tim's point about um, HGV drivers, bus drivers, taxi drivers, etc. I was getting a HGV license uh, for about 50 pounds. Um, that seems a reasonable sort of fee to me. Uh, and for that, I've got to actually visit the doctor's surgery, I've got, to, um, I've got to undertake an, an examination or an eyesight examination. It isn't simply looking at my record and completing a, a, a letter.
3: Some mixed views. Well, one thing that I'd, li- I'd like to add into this though, that hasn't been discussed yet is one thing that I'm, I'm concerned about is, is that police forces haven't just put it out there why, in a reasonable way that people can understand why they're asking the doctors. Nothing's really changed in that respect is that, you know, the doctors are still being asked. They were asked before, and just because they didn't reply, it was presumed. It's coming across a little bit now that there's, you know, certainly in this, this day of mental health awareness, people are really worried about going to the doctor now. Even though nothing's changed, you know, there's two cases that I'm aware of at the moment where one guy is getting help for, you know, a mental illness. And another guy is saying, no, I'm not going to go to the doctor because I don't want that on my record, which may affect my firearm certificate, which it's absolutely no different now to what it was then. But because the police forces aren't explaining it properly and we've asked my local police force to do that and they haven't done that yet. Um, but because they're not doing it, people are, re- are really worried about losing their tickets because of divulging a mental illness. Like I say, even though nothing's changed, um, so that needs clarifying. It needs explaining that you know people should go to the doctor. People should get help, and it doesn't necessarily mean because they've got a, a mental illness or they're struggling. You know, one in six people this this week will su- will suffer from a mental illness. So it's a, it's a big percentage of the population oh, will it's, it's very suffer true. with it and 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 get over it without any hassle or any trouble at all. So we we shouldn't be shunning, or and we should be making sure that these people get help, and we should be making sure that you know people are aware that it doesn't mean just because they you know they're suffering a little bit with depression, anxiety or whatever, but it doesn't mean that they're automatically going to lose a ticket. And that's where the police forces are falling down and not making that really really clear. I don't know what you think, Alan or Tim or.
1: Yeah. John's actually actually raised a new issue here now. Um, And and the issue here is that um, if applicants applicants know, uh, or or if certificate holders know, that the police are going to look at their um, medical uh, records, um, then it will put people who are perhaps suffering from a, a mental problem, strain or stress or whatever, who really should be seeking out some help um, to get to get cured, and John's quite right. There's quite a large proportion of us will be suffering from sort of, some from some sort of uh, mental uh, strain or illness at, at the moment. Um, then it shouldn't put people off going to get um, help with that. Um, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes, I think sometimes it does prevent people, or or, or does put people off going to get help that uh, they really should be seeking out.
2: I don't know whether that helps yeah 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 no i i agree completely i think i think when people start to feel that their private lives are being intruded on by the police they are so desperate to keep the certificate now whether you're using it as a professional user or a hobbyist user it's it's a privilege to have a firearms and shotgun certificate and people don't want that taken away from them so they're so worried that some something but actually it's one of the reasons we should also have the doctors look at it because the doctor could say the medical condition you've got is is one of depression incredibly minor and it's not worth worrying about yeah and that then gives the police assurance of mind that this person can hold a certificate and so the the practitioner the end user shouldn't worry about it but i think ultimately you do and but like John said, that's really poorly explained by the, by the police and possibly by the organisations. I know Alan's written some good articles in the NGS magazine about it and saying, look, don't fear the doctor's letter. So yeah, yeah. I, I think those, the message is out there, but, but it's right. Some people will just think, I'm not going to the doctor. And potentially yeah. that's even more dangerous. But I think broadly speaking, all of us are actually in favour of the doctor. All four of us are probably in favour of the doctor's yeah. certificate. I think we are. It yeah. just needs to be done in a level, even-handed way. And I remember four or five years ago, Alan, there was a consultation on firearms licensing. And the NGO's consultation to the firearms licensing board was effectively, I'm going to paraphrase massively, because it's a huge document. But it said, um, uh, the NGO is broadly in favour of what firearms licensing are doing. Uh, we don't like the fact that it is a pure postcode lottery, depending on where you live yeah. in the UK. Yeah over all the different forces. And the other thing we find a bit weird is you go to um, the passport office for your passport, the driving license authority for your driving license, and your local copper for your firearms. certificate. You know, why is there not a firearms licensing authority? A national body that could streamline everything, reduce the costs, and have it even keel across the whole of the UK.
0: I have long wondered this, and asked this of every uh, firearms officer or firearms department person I've ever spoken to, And all of them agree that it would be a lovely thing. However, what, it was only five years ago that they developed a national database. I feel like it's something that may come in the future, or hope. Yeah, I I think from
2: the chief police officers all say they don't want it because it's a burden on their departments. And then when anyone in um, Whitehall administration raises it, the chief officers don't want to lose control of their firearms licensing department. Mm. You know they could make it happen. They could make it happen, but I think that the individual forces don't want to let go.
1: Yeah, I think that 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 might be right, and and I think your paraphrasing of the situation of the of the submissions we made is is absolutely accurate. Yeah, sorry. Oh lovely, it's very good. There's water, but we'll crack this one in a minute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, one one of the. One of the things, Alan, you told me. when I spoke to Alan the other day. What was the the guy you spoke about last week who his application's been delayed because of COVID nineteen and got written to to put his guns in? A oh gun yeah, I mean one that's, of, one that's of that's the things. That's quite a good one, Johnny.
1: Yeah, it's quite a good one there. This is a this is this is a guy who applied to a particular force to have his certificate um, renewed. Um, he his doctor did laid getting the letter back to him. It's one of those forces where you, you, you actually have to send the application in with the letter from the doctor yourself. Uh, um, the, of the 20 forces that are going outside the um, the home office recommendations, uh, they have uh, different instructions that they give to people. So it's important that people read the instructions that come with the reminder. And, and this particular guy had read the instructions and back in February, he'd sent his uh, letter to the doctor for the doctor to sign and send it back to him and it didn't it didn't arrive back and it didn't arrive back until about the second week in april despite the fact that the guy had chased it up um and uh he put he then put the the application in and of course the application then was running just a little late applications should be submitted at least 8 weeks before the the due date because there's a a new piece of legislation that says that where a, a, an application is received at least eight weeks before the due date, the police may extend the term of the current certificate by um, up to eight weeks, effectively giving them 16 weeks to complete the the investigation. Where that doesn't take place, this particular police force just generated, and I think it was probably a computer-generated letter, back to him saying, sorry, your application was late, Uh, we won't be able to... Deal with the application before the expiry date. Uh, you must therefore make arrangements to have your guns lodged with somebody else, a, a firearms dealer, or whatever. Um, this chap was uh, seventy—I think he was seventy-six or seventy-eight years of age—and um, and he was therefore self-isolating under the COVID-19 um, uh, rules. Um, and he came to me and said, "Look, I've got a real problem here. A, I, I couldn't complete my certificate in time." Um, I I sent it back to the police as soon as I got it back. They've now said that they won't complete it by the due date. They want me to lodge my guns with somebody else and I can't do it. Um, I banged an email away to uh, the uh, firearms licensing manager for the area. And by return, or within a few minutes, I had a reply back from him. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for alerting us to this. We will sort this matter out for you. The guy phoned me back later and he said yeah the firearms inquiry officer has been in touch with me and they're going to process my certificate uh, by the due date which which i thought was absolutely fantastic and this is typical of some of the responses we get from some of the licensing managers if we approach them in the right way say look we've got a problem spell out what the problem is we quite often get a positive a positive response a a very good response
0: that mirrors my um experiences with them actually is every time you phone them up and have a nice gentle conversation and say i've got a bit of an issue or this person's got a bit of an issue they generally do everything within their power to help i think there's a there's a big stigma out there that they're out to get us and take all our licenses away and that's what they're created for is that a feeling that you you see often no i haven't I, I haven't got that feeling
1: at all. Um, I've I got a feeling that um, one or, that, that a small number of licensing managers and licensing departments are less helpful than others, um, but generally most of them are very, very helpful. Um, and this particular one, this particular guy, um, is from a force which um, some people say hasn't got a good good reputation. It's not 10 value, it's another one that hasn't got a good reputation but i've never found that i've always found that when i've approached him we're on first name terms on on email and when i approach him he's invariably helpful as helpful as he can be um you know sometimes there are issues and he has to explain that there are issues and he can't do what we want want want, want to do Uh, going back to the mental health issues we've got to accept that just occasionally there will be people that have got mental health issues but quite frankly, shouldn't be in possession of, of,
2: of firearms of, of, of any sort. And we've got to recognise that that, that is the case from time to time. Yeah. I, I also think within like an organisational point of view, that, that the way members' routes get to Alan vary, we're a small organisation in terms of staff-wise. Sometimes there'll be a discussion with John and myself saying, this has happened, that I've been accused of this, this has happened, the police have said this. If it's something John and I can sort out, we will. Yeah. I'd say seven times out of 10, it goes to Alan. So Uncle Alan up there in Ludlow will sort things out. Now, <clears throat> one of the keys, one of the key things that I would say to anyone, whether a member of the NGO, Bass Countryside Alliance, who, who has a firearms issue, is when you make point of contact with the organisation you're asking help for, give them all the facts that are correct. Yes. Because occasionally I will have been told the story think right okay let me give a quick word of the police I can probably sort that policemen might say not sure you got all the facts yeah. I suggest you visit your member so I'll speak to them again and you get ever such a slightly different story and at that point is when it needs to go to Alan because you know the sands moved if the the member of whichever organization it is had a told us the absolute correct chain of events to start with, we could have got to the right place in the first place, saved everybody a lot of time, and also given them the correct advice, correct and up-to-date advice. So that's something I would say to any member, is if you've got to the point where you need to speak to your organisation, make sure what you're telling them is what actually happened, not a sort of um, Disney-fied version of it. We've heard, believe me, we've heard all sorts of stuff and nothing will shock or worry us. No, no,
1: no. That's quite true. And one of the things, one of the things when somebody comes to me and, and, and they, want, they want some help, one of the things I stress to them is exactly what Tim says. Look, I need to know all the facts. Um, in extreme cases, uh, where I can't deal with the issues, we've got um, a couple of firms of solicitors that we will pass the details on to. In the same way, those solicitors will need to know all the facts, all the nasty little bits, um, all the detail before they can advise or make a decision uh, which, which 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 way to go forward. Um, the same applies to us um, in, in these cases.
0: Do you see many revocations without just cause?
1: No. That's simple. That's a simple. That's a simple, straightforward, straightforward answer, isn't it? Um, um, I think I've been doing this job now for uh, something like four years. uh, And in that time, I think I've seen one revocation without just cause. Um, One revocation where I think the police got it completely wrong. Um, and when that actually came to appeal to Crown Court, um, eventually a couple of days before it was due to go to court the the, the police withdrew their objection to the to, to the appeal. Um, uh, there was then a little twist in the tail. I think that they behaved quite improperly with the uh, uh, with, with, with the person. Um, in that they then interviewed the person again and and issued him with a final warning before they would let him have his sediments back. Uh, And I think that was totally out of order, totally out of order. Um, But but there we go, it it happens. Um, There've been um, a couple where I think, well, I'm not sure that the police should have behaved in this way. Uh, But I've also got to recognise, as as Tim quite ably pointed out, um, that we don't always get, the full story. We don't always get both sides of the story uh, accurately. Um, and we, if we're going to do the job, and and again, it doesn't matter which organisation you're going to, whether you're coming to us, um, whether you're coming to me, to Tim, to to, to John, or you're going to, to to Basque or whoever the organisation is, you need to be entirely honest, and you need to you need to t- tell them the story uh, quite truthfully. Uh, and remember that, and we always remember, there
0: are two sides to a story always. Uh, uh, It's amusing when you say your disney thing. We get it, obviously, we see the other side of it when people are bringing guns in to hand them in, um, or we have to go and collect them where they've been taken away. And you'll always hear only one side of the story, and it always comes across like it was terribly unfair, and the police were out to get them, and they never did anything wrong. But uh, as you said, after speaking to the police on certain occasions, never they never divulge any information other than that's not the truth
1: yeah i i sometimes get a little bit more than that um which enables enables me to judge and there are there are not many occasions but there are just a few occasions when somebody comes to me they tell me a they tell me a story um i make some inquiries uh perhaps i question them a little bit more closely about what's happened and i will actually turn round them to them and say you haven't got a chance um you know I'm, I'm i'm there to be honest with them i will turn to them and say um I'm, I'm sorry but i don't think you're going to get your firearm certificate back in the short term you may get it back in the longer term wait two three years um stay out of trouble stay clean um and you then reapply for it um but there have been occasions when i've said to people look i'm sorry you're not going to get your firearm certificate back can you put and some- I can look upon that as fair to them and part of my part of my job, part of my um, you know association with the NGO, is to be fair and honest with with its members. So can you sort of
0: bracket that for me, if you will? What offence is a you're never going to get it back, and what sort of offence is a two or three years wait and try again?
1: First of all, first of all, there there are certain offences that can be uh, uh, committed where terms of imprisonment are, are involved, uh, where you're never going to get it back. Uh, yeah, exactly. um, and then what about, for instance, involvement, involvement in uh, uh, drink or drugs? Um, so, for instance, most police forces have a, a policy where if you've been caught drink driving um, and you've behaved yourself and you're not uh, stupidly over the limit, um, then you will get a final warning. Um, uh, you get caught a second time, you'll lose your firearm certificate. Uh, uh, under those circum, or your shotgun certificate. Uh, under those circumstances, I would think that you need to probably wait two, three years without any further incidents, and then, and then reapply. I don't know whether that he- whether that helps. Similarly, any involvement in uh, in, in drugs and and the, and the drug world um, um, will will render you probably uns- unsuitable to possess a, a, a firearm. A, a, a shotgun or a, or a firearm and, and you're going to lose you lose your certificate um, uh, what about speeding uh, speeding generally isn't a problem unless you've got a lot of them <laughs> oh. um, i don't hear of i don't hear of people losing their certificates <clears throat> because of because of speeding okay. um, There's been a recent case reported as part of the covid 19 is hasn't there where um, a um, uh, where two people have lost their certificates. Apparently reported in the media due to breach of uh, COVID-19 regulations, but when you look at it a little bit deeper, you find that not only did they breach the COVID-19 regulations, (coughs) they were actually on land where they haven't got permission to be with a firearm. Um, So they were so they were trespassing with a firearm, quite a quite a serious offence. And I mean, if they'd been after uh, game, they would have been they would have been poaching as well. Um, So so it isn't the fact that they were. Uh, breaching the Covid-19 regulations, they were breaching the Covid-19 regulations and they were trespassing with a firearm. They haven't been prosecuted but the police have revoked their firearm certificates um, and I think that's that, that's probably justified in the circumstances.
0: I would agree. So I did a, a, a short podcast with Nick Horton, our wildfowling dude, also an ex-policeman. He shared certain concerns of Hampshire Firearms sent out a letter essentially telling people to suspend all shooting activity. Have you heard of this?
1: I've heard that there's, there's been a, a varying response to the COVID-19 regulations from various police forces. Um, and I think probably the, the best one I've seen, the best advice I've seen, and, and you'll excuse me, I'm gonna put some glasses on, I'm actually gonna read this to you. This, this came from a, a police inspector involved in firearms licensing in, in one of the uh, uh, Yorkshire forces. Um, And um, he says that if uh, the shooting is essential for someone's work, for example, as a pest controller or gamekeeper, um, well, then that is reasonable. But otherwise, um, unless they can justify it as being uh, essential. So perhaps a a farmer has uh, uh, said that he's got a a problem with foxes killing lambs or or poultry or, or whatever. Or has said that he's got a particular problem with uh, pigeons uh, raiding raiding crops, um, and that they can that they can justify that. So, in other words, it, I think ideally it's in writing. Then they should stay at home. They should um, uh, protect themselves, protect other people, and um, protect the, the 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 NHS. Now, there are various ways of looking at that. I suppose if I were to set out from here, take a gun and walk down across the fields to a a, a neighbour's ground where there might be some pigeons causing a problem and I set up a hide and um, some decoys and uh, spent the afternoon uh, shooting pigeons, um, how could I possibly be uh, any danger to anybody else uh, as far as COVID-19 is concerned? But it's not just that, is it? We need to be setting an example to other people. We are generally law-abiding people. Um, we put ourselves up to be to be, to be to be vetted to have our firearms, and we need to show that we are law law abiding people. So I, th- I think the advice from this this particular
0: police inspector was good advice. Going off of sort of COVID nineteen times and, and to a more regular time, I think again many more people tell the story than perhaps it actually happens to. You. Do you get involved when, for example, police are called out to? People just regularly pest controlling.
1: I'll, I'll, yeah, I sometimes get a telephone call afterwards, and we do hear some horror stories. Just very occasionally, we hear some horror stories where where where, where the where the police get it wrong. Um, there's some um, misinterpretation of the telephonic call that comes in from the from the member of the public. You know, perhaps a, a report of somebody shooting, um, where um, perhaps. Um, the response would be a telephone call, or a police officer go and check to see what's actually happening. Um, and uh, but despite that, the police turn up um, with um, armed response vehicles. On one occasion, I know of, a, uh, of a, where, where a friend of mine was duck shooting in Derbyshire some years ago. Um, they actually turned up with a helicopter and ordered him to put his guns down and walk to a nearby road where he was checked out, um, because. Um, a member of the public living nearby had heard shots and reported and had, and had reported shooting. Uh, the guy had had the duck shooting on this particular pool for a number of years he 'd been shooting quite happily there for 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 a, for, for a number of years um, and, and in the end, the police had to apologize to him for the way they dealt with it um, but these instances are very few and far between compared when you compare to the the, the number of occasions we actually we actually go out shooting. And it also gives us an uh, an opportunity, rather than to um, actively uh, uh, criticise the police, but but to actually um, educate them as to what we do do in country areas and, and and the way things go on in country areas.
0: Do the police ever contact you from their side about this, or do the police come to you for farms advice? Yeah, that's
1: a question. Yes, I've i I've, I've been contacted on um, on a couple of occasions by. Uh, by, by police officers and by, uh, and, and by police firearms licensing managers. But, but generally, uh, that, that doesn't happen. Uh, but just on a couple of occasions, I have been contacted, yeah. And, and I, I really don't think that the couple of occasions I've been contacted about, I, I can go into in any depth.
0: No.
1: Um, but certainly, I was very pleased on one occasion because because a firearms licensing manager knew that I'd been involved in a particular case and was able to express an opinion on that. When he came up with a similar case, he invited me for a cup of tea. I went along, I had a cup of tea with him. Um, he showed me a file uh, with all the names redacted because I'm not entitled to see those names under data protection. Um, and he said, what do you think? And I, I gave him my opinion and he said, yeah, I agree with you. That's exactly what I thought. But in view of the fact that you had the the benefit of uh, being present at a Crown court at a particular appeal, um, I, I just thought I'd ask your opinion. It's lovely. Thanks for a nice cup of tea. It was good.
0: That is good. I think it's always good yeah. when the police reference experienced people. I, I think there's, mm. it's good.
2: That's it. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, <clears throat> I actually had a call um, yesterday from a police force, not really to do with firearms licensing, but it was to do with uh, game bird releasing and uh, the the pos potential decrease in the numbers of birds being released, and would that concentrate the anti-body brigade to the shoots that are releasing and the policeman wanted to talk me through what they were planning to do on their strategy and and the the, the reason behind it isn't because of a uplifting sabs on shoots it's more because it's a very prominent badger cull area and um swampy's running around at night trying to stop people shooting badgers and then when they're not collecting their gyro chapter in the day they're off um trying to find pheasant pens so <laughs> um, you know, he's concerned that with less shoots in the area, potentially less shoots in the area, um, there's going to be more disruption to shooting. I, 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 I wasn't sure, to be honest. I don't think there will be, but, um, but it is. We do get it from both sides. We do have the interaction with the members asking for advice, but equally, we, the police do come to us to seek our opinion. But like Alan had, John, John has a lot with traps. You know, you, you've had some dealings very recently with
3: trapping. You? So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, two days ago, I had um, a police force ring up about a trapping incident. The gamekeeper is completely innocent, but he's been trying to be set up. So, you know, there's, there's things like that going on all the time that we we deal with, and it's it is good that we're recognised as a, a professional body that that can be called upon and uh, for advice. So, like Alan with his firearms experience and everything, and. Tim myself, ex gamekeepers, you know we've we've done the job. We understand the job, and we're we're up to speed with the laws and the changes of laws. So um, you know, it's it's good that we can we can talk to the police, and, and certainly up here, I know Tim does as well. We we have training days with with certain police forces if they want it. So we'll go along, and teach them about any anything that's going on in the countryside what gamekeepers are doing, why gamekeepers do it, show them what what gamekeepers do legitimately. So when they get these calls to go out onto a state because somebody's found a trap, you know, the officers are equipped then to say, well, actually, no, I've, I've seen this. This is actually legally set. They know all the, you know, how it should be set and how it should be run. And, um, you know, so they can deal with it without any fuss from, um, I want to say, any irate or hysterical party that's come out because they found a, an animal trap, which is part of a legitimate... Um, control programme for, for an estate, for, for wildlife, wildlife management. That is, when you say set up,
0: is that somebody like putting a, a legal trap out and then phoning the police saying, look what I found?
3: Yes, yeah, that, that's, that's happening more and more at the moment. And the police are aware of it and they know what to look for because we tell them what to look for and how it's, how it's managed. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely happening.
0: I was uh, going to ask why, but I think we, all, we can all <laughs> assume yeah, dirty, the name of the estate.
3: Yeah, and, and gamekeeping, uh, keeping in general, yeah. yeah. There's, there's one, the, the first one I was involved with was, I think there was six or eight traps got stolen from an estate, and then they were found, it was, a, it was an upland estate, they were found by one of the underkeepers about five days later, uh, two of them were set, one on a pole, which is highly illegal another one just on a grouse but thankfully the, the estate reported the traps are stolen thankfully the keeper went as soon as he spotted him he rung the police straight away and explained he was walking to the traps to take them off because these traps were 200 meters away from a merlin nest and so one of our quite rare upland birds of prey was nesting in the area so you know
0: yeah. the, I mean, no the, the
3: situations are, are, are
0: real You know, there's no news to any of us that anti-shooters don't really care about wildlife. They just want shooting stopped. Um, Yeah. But I I didn't realise it was quite as prevalent as that. And my second point on this is I was chatting to a friend of mine yesterday, Max, a gamekeeper up north, and he tells me that he regularly has traps destroyed, smashed, snares cut, and just laid outside his front door. Is Is that
3: common? I don't know a gamekeeper that it's never happened to. Do the police do anything about it? Not really, no. Uh, It's a fully truthful answer. The, um, The problem is most gamekeepers, and we're trying to address this situation, most gamekeepers don't have the time or the inclination to sit on the phone for half an hour, three quarters of an hour, an hour to 101 to try and get a crime number. So if you don't get a crime number, if you don't report it to the police, you don't get a crime number, that crime doesn't exist. So so what we're trying to do is to, to, to educate gamekeepers and, and anybody who's, who's going about a business, a legitimate business, report it. Because police, and, and Alan will confirm this, police go off stats. And if the stats are saying that somebody's bike hasn't been stolen out of the shed, that bike didn't get stolen out of the shed because they didn't report it as a crime. And if a track doesn't get stolen or smashed up because it wasn't reported, it didn't happen. It's not a crime. Whereas, if, you know, so we've got to get gamekeepers, we've got to get land managers to report everything to the police, get a crime number, and then all of a sudden, these spikes will will show on their stats. The police don't like crime.
2: No, I think the key the key there as well is what John said get the crime number. So last week, um, well, I t- so since COVID-19's happened, there has been an extraordinary lift uplift in rural crime thefts from farms, barns, sheds, etc. Because everyone's at home, so burglars who make their living at nicking stuff can't nick it from people's houses. They're changing. So recently, there's been a huge amount of quad bike TVs, UTVs, so etc. Now, <clears throat> one got stolen very close to where I live, and the gatekeeper there's an NGO member, and he went bonkers that the police had done nothing about it, and he reported loads of stuff, and he put it all over social media, and the, the local. Police here, the wildlife police here are actually, or the rural police rather, are rather proactive and rather good. So they're a bit niffed and they spoke to the Wiltshire chairman for the NGO, a guy called Nick Stiff, who's a full time keeper in Wiltshire, and said, Look, Nick, have we missed something? What's going on? Why is this all of a sudden this bad feeling? So he gave the guy a ring and said, Look, what's going on? He said, Well, I've got my quad, Nick. said, You've got it back within an hour, which he did. It had a tracker on it and they got it. He said, Yeah, I know, but I've reported loads of stuff and no one's even come out. What it actually turned out was there's a local WhatsApp group that the policeman set up. He's on his own back. It's not a police thing. He's putting these things on the WhatsApp group, but wasn't reported. It wasn't actually being reported. So he just put on WhatsApp, gate broken into yesterday morning. Now he thought that was him reporting the crime. Oh. You must get that crime number. Yeah,
0: that was, yeah. it. It was so simple. Yeah. yeah, you've got to get
1: you've got to get an instant number or a crime number. Yeah. And if it's a theft, if it is a crime, you need a crime number. If you're reporting some sort of incident, you need an incident number. Um, you know, so if you've got um, people trespassing on your land, not much you can do about it. Um, the, the landowner can ask them to 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 to, to move to go on. And um, John's quite right. Um, the police are driven by statistics. Uh, we live in a country. We live in country areas. Um, if um, if there's no crime in country areas. Police management will move the police officers from country areas to areas where they see that there's a demand, um, and for that reason, uh, we need to ensure that where there is a problem in the country, we report it on every occasion to demonstrate that there is a demand in the in in the countryside and, and to keep our rural
3: police officers where they exist. I think I think you can report. Um, most most police forces now you can report over. Email and they'll email you back with the crime number as well. So, yeah, um, I think
2: that's only a, from I've tried it, John. I think it's only a crime, not an incident.
3: So, you right, can only okay. report
2: uh, theft, criminal damage.
3: Yeah, it's
2: it's, rel- it's relatively limited for what we need to report. Um, right, okay. so can, I don't think you can report poaching, for example. I found a deer that's i found a pheasant or grouse that's been catapulted, clearly been poached. You know, the ball bearings next to it, but you can't report that. Certainly the forces I've tried. You can't report that online or email. No. You still have to phone up. So they need to they need to broaden that that online system out. I think uh, to yeah. make it easier for us all to be able to report.
0: I do. Any of you
3: feel like there is room for wildlife police? Well, there are. Most forces have a wildlife unit. Wildlife cops. Mm-hmm. Um, Lancashire they'll have I think, I think there's about probably close to 20 in lancashire i would think the rural wildlife police officers that are trained up in wildlife crime poaching incidences that
2: kind of um, ACPO, association of police chief officers wildlife crime course which i think is a three-day course johnny that so there are there are properly trained wildlife officers out there in most police forces i don't think the met have got one but you know, actually, I think they do because there will be wildlife. Crimes. I think they do. You they've got, got a, yeah, thing. they've got a lot of wildlife. They've
1: got a lot of green areas. Yeah, so but it's
3: we, not just that as well. They'll, they'll deal with bats and bats in buildings and yeah. demolition newts in building sites and everything else that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So, so we we do have it. What we don't have is um, we don't have the really cool American armed
0: wildlife rangers that probably is most people in. That was more my reference than yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah i don't know i i think the way wildlife works in the states where everybody in the united states owns the wildlife in the united states and even if it's on your land you can't choose what you do with it it's a national it's a national commodity
0: mm-hmm.
2: so they have to police that whereas in the uk it's slightly different although deer is an exception you don't own wild deer but if they're on your land you can choose what you do with them so I think that the idea sounds really good, but I, I don't think the way the UK wildlife system works, with vast tracts of privately owned, privately managed and privately paid for land, I don't think that works. But <clears throat> the the US conservation model, I think it's called, isn't it, where they they have this model where every hunter, 50% of all their hunting fees, goes back into conservation and paying for the wildlife rangers pay for anti-collection and pay for, and pay for or pay tax or
0: everybody who uses the outside and buys outside gear pays a tax to go towards conservation which I think is a... Yeah. well I'm not adverse to it to be honest. I, well I, I'm not either I'm not either but where do you draw the
2: line? So as um uh, John will probably be far more expert on this uh, upland I'd love to own let's pretend I own an upland grouse mall. I've got a twenty thousand acre grouse more that would be nice. Um, yeah, would be lovely. Ride? Yeah it'd be great. So I own the moor. I want to do some conservation work so I can produce more grouse I'm going to pay for that whether that's through sales of shooting or out of my own deep pockets. so I'm going to pay for that northern utilities next door or, or the RSPB reserve or the wildlife trust reserve next door they would probably because they're a reserve it's not privately owned in the sense that a single individual owns it they would probably have access to those those funds and I probably wouldn't so within the UK system that that wouldn't work the only way to do it is say right all wildlife belongs to the government, so the government is going to fund all wildlife activities, which is what happens in the states so a, a landowner in the states can't say I'm going to go and shoot six does because they're on my land Without he part, has to apply yeah, six does. he has to apply like everybody else to the Idaho tag wildlife authority and see if he can get six tags to shoot deer on his own land. so ideology it's a great idea. I think practicality in the way the UK works.
0: We are I think to, we're better off roads to implement any of that, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think I so. there's a
0: healthy middle between the two systems.
2: Yeah, I think they could, they could easily be. But equally, if you look at the good work the private landowners do. Oh, it's fantastic.
0: Pro-
2: yeah, so I think that would actually decrease. I, I, I think if it was all spent on government money and government policy, which would probably change every five years or four years, at least with a private add we've got consistency as
0: well. There is some mild beauty, however, and I appreciate this is a larger side, but hunter-driven conservation is a wonderful thing. And it ends up that the US has much more pragmatic and sensible conservation spending than the UK does because they understand that you need to remove predators to increase prey, which the UK doesn't seem to... Take on board when you're taking any of the larger wildlife organisations.
2: Absolutely, and that's that's one of the one of the key things. But the the, in the US they're starting to hit a bit of a a struggle with it now because it's like you say it's hunter driven. Um, Hunting the hunter numbers are declining quite Mm. rapidly in the states, and they're getting older. Yeah, and you're speaking from experience, aren't you? I am. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) definitely. So, so the problem they've got is they've got. Yeah, they've got, well, you've still got more than me. They've got um, an ageing, they've got an ageing hunting population. They've got a declining hunting population. Therefore, the revenues for hunting conservation are dropping off massively. And the states are having to prioritise where they're spending this money now because they haven't got as much. So maybe, maybe there's going to be a swing back to the private landowners and the farmers and say, look, do you want to do something with your private reserve?
0: Yeah, you can do that with your land and we'll just keep the money for ourselves.
2: (laughs) Thanks. Look at this. Service perfect
0: service. Oh, my, good. my boy bringing me a cup of tea. Okay. Wonderful. Mine's not allowed to play with a kettle yet, he's not quite <laughs> at that level. But yeah. boys, <laughs> well, only two isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that might be inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, six, six yeah. years. Yeah, I yeah. 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 So my final question to all of you is this, are you happy with the state of firearms legislation within the UK? Would you change anything? Would you allow us more stuff? Would you make it more strict? And uh, I suppose we
3: should start with John. I think it's fine as it is. I, I think it's fine as it is. I think we need to uh, iron out the anomalies between the forces. I think that's the main thing. Um, I, I don't think any other changes other than the anomalies, really. Um, that's my personal view at the moment. Short and sweet.
0: Nationalisation.
3: Keep each individual force. If, if they want to keep all their firearms units, keep that. But let's all sing off the same hymn sheet with it. You know, we, we're finding it more and more with everything. It's down to interpretation of guidelines all the time. And um, you know, I think that needs ironing out. Tim? I, I, I'm broadly in line with John. Variations.
2: Why do I need a variation? I've got a certificate to have firearms. I just want firearms. Why do I have to tell them what calibre, what size, what's it for, and how many bullets do I need? So I think we should be licensed to... Have shotguns and a, a, a robust firearms licensing system where I don't need to apply for a variation, but my cabinet allows me to hold eight eight firearms, so I can have eight firearms of of varying calibers and ammunition for them without having to apply each time I want to do a one for one. I'm not, and I'm not saying. Um, I don't need to apply for a 308, or two four three. What I'm saying is, when I want to change my two four three, I don't need to reapply to have another two four three before I can sell my other one. So just streamline it, make it easier for the firearms department. That would be my that would be my one change that I would do right now.
0: Well, I wouldn't say it would kill private sales, but it would need the inclusion of a dealer in every transaction to ha- end up with a trust base. I think.
2: No, I agree. It would ne- it would need an I believe, yeah it would need an RFD because of that exact reason you're saying they need to be able to do that transaction and make sure the certificate's correct.
1: Yeah, that would still be possible, wouldn't it? Even if you had to involve an RFD because, Tim, for instance, if you wanted to sell a rifle to uh, to John, um, all you'd have to do is have a, an RFD as an intermediary to sign it across from one to the other. Um, I suppose the police would object in... To that, probably because just occasionally we find that there's an RFD that's gone wrong. Um, you know, here in um, here in Worcestershire we had one, um, and, and in Gloucestershire we've had them where um, um, they've gone wrong. They've, they've gone wrong recently, um, so the so, so the police might 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 not like that. Um, if you were to ask me this question, I would say, well, I don't see why we shouldn't have a, a route and. And branch review of firearms licensing. The Firearms Licensing Act came out in 1968. That's a long time ago. A firearms certificate is a five-page piece of paper. If I go to Ireland, which I occasionally do to Southern Ireland, uh, uh, stalking, their license over there is a credit card-sized card that authorizes uh, authorizes them to possess. Uh, uh, firearms in the same way as that our five-sided piece of paper does. The, the second point is that we had um, a, a review a few years ago, uh, over 20 years ago, which changed the term of the policy from three years to five and, and that caused licensing that caused licensing problems. At the time that the Firearms Act came out poli- police intelligence systems were based on card indexes Um you know, if you wanted to find out details about somebody that some other some other police officer had, had observed, they went to a card file system and actually went through the cards. We've now got very advanced computer systems, and we've got computer systems where firearms licensing managers regularly interrogate um, um, other police systems to find out what people have been, in, been been involved in, and that happens automatically, generally on a on a weekly basis. So, in other words. There is almost constant surveillance of us and our contact, or at least surveillance of our contact contact with the police. Um, so why would it not be possible to have a ten-year certificate, or even like a driving licence, a certificate which lasts for a certain period of time and perhaps needs to be reviewed again when somebody gets to get 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 gets gets to seventy? Um, I, 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 I don't know. Then we come down to the question of the. Um, home office guidance. The home office guidance is issued as guidance to police officers. We as applicants should be able to rely on that guidance but an awful lot of police forces if you challenge them about it or, or, or about some interpretation of it will say ah well but it's only guidance. They're not bound by it. I'd like to see police forces bound by the home office guidance and if, and if that ha- happened we wouldn't be in this situation where the moment of the 43 forces in the country 20 are taking a completely different strategy to firearms licensing from from the from from the other 23 and the possession of of firearms is a is to some extent a, a postcode lottery um certainly the fees charged uh the combined fee charged by the police and by the gp is is a postcode lottery depending depending dependent on where you live and the um and the policy of the particular police force that that you're asking to provide your uh, the, the service to you to provide a firearm certificate or shotgun certificate
0: so the um, complete rewriting and revision of the firearms act and its guidance yes ah simple task <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well they, they they obviously they obviously did it on the, in in the run up to
0: 1968 i mean i I agree. I mean, wholeheartedly, I think that it's one of the most loopholious, difficult to interpret acts out there. I mean, or maybe that's just because I'm, or we are all involved in it and all aware of it more than any other act. I, I think that it could do with modernization. I, I would agree that a 10 year spell is wiser than a five year spell, given that the systems in place could do automatic updates of you, or they could, and your GP will be there to reference any mental health disorder or physical disorder that would require the police's intervention seeing as it's on your file the police will know automatically if you commit a crime anyway so it's not a big deal as you say yeah i think the modernization is a very wise word i think john has has it right to say that perhaps changing it would be unwise seeing as we have it quite well quite good at the moment to change could bring further restriction Mm. But I also feel that if it's a change that we are involved in, and it's clear that the police do got, speak, speak to you, and if they're speaking to you, they're speaking to other experts on the subject, that perhaps there will be some inclusion of that somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. So it will, might be an intelligent piece of legislation if they do it correctly. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. That. Yeah.
2: Johnny, you, you deal with it every day in your, in your day job. If we, there's room for improvement let, let's be honest about it it's it'll take it'll take some work to revamp the firearms act. From, yeah from root and core but i think if they got everyone involved from, from the gun trade to the end user and everybody in between including the feos the, the chief constables they could come up with a really usable app that streamlines everything for the police you know they're always saying they're under-resourced and uh and don't have the time and that's where we get delays but if it were digitized streamlined online payments yeah you know uh, use the same system the passport office and driving license do where they store our picture if you've had to apply for new passport yep. recently there's so, it's
0: Every all there has a database that you have to purchase of course that you exactly. scan the card on. Boom, brings up the picture everything so that it cannot be faked yeah, to me, yeah. it's a more secure and intelligent system with much less paperwork yeah. involved. Because, like say, someone comes in, you bring their card, you go, "Oh, you're allowed six rifles up to 300 win mag." You've already got six. What are you going to get rid of? Yeah.
2: It's all doable. I think it's all doable, but it's
0: time, isn't it? One day, if we're really lucky, maybe it'll happen. And on that note, I would like to thank all of you for coming on today, and Alan especially for your expertise. Um, right. John and Tim, thank you very much for coming back on. It has been wonderful. Thank you very much. You. Got
2: any final words? No, I'm just. I'm looking forward. Last week I was itching to cast a fly. This week I'm itching to fire a rifle. Now I've had that firearms <laughs> discussion, so <coughs> just hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> everyone, hopefully everyone's finding it life a bit easier and getting more used to it. But I think very soon we're all going to be out there shooting again, and we'll be able to go and visit you in the shop, Donnie, to buy loads of stuff because I want. I've just, I've been reading about all sorts of kit and bits now. And I think we're
0: all in the same boat there, all being like lusting after stuff that we can't get. Um, <laughs>
3: Do you know, I think things are a bit more positive as well now. There's there's, there's more talk about the future from the coming out from the government and it's... um it is in sight. It? It's, it, it, I don't know, it's just me, but it, it just feels a little bit more positive. Or is that just me wishful right. thinking? No, I
1: think, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. I think. I think one of, the, one of the problems, though, will be the economic situation when we come out of it and what people can afford to do and whether that yeah. will have a long-term effect on, on shooting and shooting
2: sports.
0: I hope not.
2: Yeah, I hope not, too. But, mm, I wonder. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I, was, I was on a call today and I was on a conference call with John and the phone rang which I answered, and it was actually a keeper I'd spoken to a fortnight before who was in Hampshire, actually, who was, they weren't shooting again, that was it. They were done for the year. They were going to mockball the shoot. And then phoned me up today to said so his third delivery of chicks was arriving. He's full bore. He's doing his 45 days. 30 of them are deposit paid. Um, yeah. And I'm hearing that more and more and more now across,
1: yeah. across yeah. the have Yeah, so. I've yeah. I've paid a deposit for a couple of days. So,
2: yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I think I think let's let's not look at the negatives. Let's look at the positives. Even if we yeah, do, absolutely three quarters of what we're going to do, half of what we'd normally do. I think we're still going to have a good season, and those who
0: enjoy shooting are still going to love it. One hundred percent. Those who love it are going to do it, and it's going to be yeah. great because it's better than sitting at home for six weeks <laughs> and <I'm> not playing <laughs> <getting> trigger. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Guys, so, thank you very much. Nice okay. to see you all.
1: Bye. bye. Nice to see you all.
3: Thank you. Bye.